Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down the vaccine rollout, what exactly has gone wrong and where it's going. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to Australia Explained. We'd like to start, as always, by acknowledging that while I'm recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging, Vanessa's tuning in from elsewhere. Where are you at the moment? So I'm on the land of the Waka Waka people and as I mentioned in our last episode, I'm currently travelling Australia and uh, it's been so lovely to learn more about all the different Indigenous nations that make up Australia and just how different they all are from each other. Um, It's also been good just meeting different kinds of Australians in general and it's given me lots of inspiration for how we can branch out this pod and include a wider variety of topics that maybe aren't so city-focused. So it's been really nice. Yeah, we've got some different sorts of things coming up in the next couple of weeks, a few interviews that we're very excited about. So stay tuned for those. Yeah, for sure. And um, we just wanted to say a quick reminder before we start that if you love Australia Explained as much as we do, or if you feel like you learn a thing or two from us, the best way to support us is first and foremost to recommend us to other people. You know, if you've learned something, send the episode to a friend. Um, Also to follow or subscribe, depending on your app and leaving a review. Um, These things really, really help us out and um, just shows your appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. We love that word of mouth too. It's what gets us booming and gets us around to different audiences too. So um, if you could do that, we would definitely appreciate that. But on to today's episode, yes, we're going to be looking more closely at the vaccine rollout in which we are currently experiencing. And we have covered the intricacies of the COVID vaccine in one of our previous episodes. Um, So give that a listen if you're more concerned about I guess, the production and the trialling of the different types of vaccines. But now that the vaccines are available for use, this episode looks more closely at the effectiveness of Australia's rollout strategy and whether we have met some key targets that we set a while ago. Yeah, and I think maybe some people are probably sick of talking about the vaccine because it takes up so much mental energy and conversation. But This episode's important because I think a lot of people are talking about the vaccine and the rollout, but maybe they don't actually know the facts of what's actually happening. Yeah, and I think there's just so much information coming out constantly that it's quite a jammed media cycle. And so it can be quite hard to debunk everything that you're hearing and make sense of it um, because it is it's changing literally on a daily basis, our strategies or the medical advice or, you know, the goalposts for vaccines and who can receive it and who can't and what age. So um, I think as confusing and as frustrating as it may seem to have this, I guess, constantly updating news cycle, it is important that we discuss it and seek some clarity from it as well. Yeah, so we're here to get you up to speed and next time you're having a conversation about the vaccine, you'll actually know what's going on. (laughs) Exactly. And the major talking point that triggered this episode was the most recent Victorian lockdown because it found COVID spreading once again into aged care facilities. And this was pretty troubling as all the aged care residents and workers should have been fully vaccinated at this point. And I think a lot of people thought that they were. 
but alas, they were not. And since then, as I'm sure you all know, um, most of the major Australian cities have entered into short snap lockdowns, Brisbane, Perth, Darwin, um, due to COVID outbreaks that could have been avoided if more people had the jab. You know, you had this happening in vulnerable industries, such as um, there was an air hostess, um, in mining, people that should have been vaccinated. So naturally, lots of Aussies are asking questions about what exactly has happened with our vaccine rollout. Yeah, so that's why we're here to break down the timeline of our rollout, the issues that have impacted upon our ability to meet key targets and also what the revised plan looks like. So let's get started. So let's start with the goals. So when the vaccine rollout began in February, the federal government promised that the entire population of Aussie adults, so this is around 20 million people, would be vaccinated by the end of October. And that included having both doses because the COVID vaccine comes in two separate doses. And it was a staged rollout, which means that certain targets have to be met first before moving on to the next phase. So certain population groups would be prioritised first before the eligibility was widened. Yeah, so the first phase of our rollout, which was called 1A, had planned for 60,000 vaccinations in the first week of the rollout and then 80,000 vaccinations per week from March 1st onwards. So this was assuming that the rollout would pick up speed each week and ScoMo was hoping for around 4 million doses delivered by the end of March. Then phase 1B would begin in April with the target of 14.8 million doses administered by the end of May. And then by the end of phase 2 and 2A and 2B, the whole population of Australian adults would be vaccinated. So remember that the magic date originally provided was the 31st of October of this year. So that was the goals. <laughs> now let's talk about how we're actually going. Spoiler alert, didn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> Can't so, that one. <laughs> that first week goal of 60,000 vaccinations fell short by 47%. So not a great start. Only around 35,000 people had been vaccinated by March 1st. 4 million doses by March, that goal fell short by 3.3 million doses. So it's a pretty big difference. Um, The goal was then revised to be met by mid-April, but Australia had only reached 1 million doses by April 8th. So we're running a couple million behind. It's a big number. As it is right now, Around 8.2 million Australians have been vaccinated, which is 4.7 million doses behind the target number for this point in time. Yep, so quite a large number of shortcomings there. And even at our current weekly rate of 125,000 vaccinations per week, it is predicted that all Australian adults won't be fully vaccinated until at least mid-April of 2022, assuming that there are absolutely no more interruptions to international and local production and things like that. There have been more than 22 revisions to the vaccine rollout plan since February, and there is no longer a clear expected date for the entire population to be vaccinated. So we're not quite sure what we're working towards. Yeah, so right now, ScoMo's aimed for every Australian adult to receive their first dose of the vaccine by the end of this year. And you said there was 22 revisions. Of course, COVID's very difficult and the plans will be changed and all of these things. But 
Australia is ranked last amongst all the OECD countries, which is a um, group of developed countries, for vaccinations. So there's a website that we'll link in the show notes that shows how every country is doing in terms of vaccinations. And it's quite frustrating because you have countries like the UK, even the US that absolutely bungled their handling of COVID that are so far ahead in terms of vaccination. Um, So, of course, it's normal for plans to be revised, but it's totally normal for Aussies to be asking, why is it being revised this much? (laughs) And that's what we're going to look at. So let's get into it a little bit further. Okay, so I think the question on many people's minds is what exactly has gone wrong? Was this just a case of poor government planning and maybe overestimating the public response to getting vaccinated? Or were there other issues that we didn't expect that have disrupted this rollout? Yeah, so the vaccine rollout plan was based on a few assumptions. Number one, that there would be no issues with accessing global supply to the vaccine. Number two, that the local production, the vaccines that were made here in Australia, would be efficient. And number three, that the vaccine itself would be effective and have no problems. But in typical fashion, all three of these areas experience some major setbacks and we'll explain them now. Yeah, so let's start with both the international and local supply. So in our vaccine episode from a few months ago, we noted that Australia had decided to invest predominantly in the AstraZeneca vaccine because it could be made locally within Australia, in Melbourne, and boost our economy at the same time. So essentially killing two birds with one stone here. Then the government announced that it had purchased around 10 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine on the side to assist with our rollout as well. Yeah, and the first doses of these vaccines, which were produced in Europe, arrived in February, and they would be crucial for the rollout whilst the production of AstraZeneca in Melbourne was still ramping up. But the first major hiccup came when the European Union, or the EU, essentially blocked a shipment of 3.1 million doses of the AZ vaccine into Australia in an attempt to prioritise vaccinations in Europe and cope with an increasingly high demand over there. So because local production was still not ready, this meant that we were already facing short supply of the vaccine as early as March, as early as when this began. Um, And this was when our rollout was meant to be booming. So to put it bluntly, um, the Grattan Institute Health Program Director said that everything that could have possibly gone wrong, went wrong. Yeah, and that's a great way to start this rollout. Um, (laughs) But then there were issues with the vaccines that we actually had in Australia, how they were being distributed too. So as of recent, we have mass vaccination hubs that have been established in cities to assist with, you know, the, the larger rollout. But in the early stages of our rollout back in February, March, local GPs and clinics played a major role in delivering the first doses of the vaccine. But many doctors and health professionals noted that it was very unpredictable and unreliable as to when or where they were getting these vaccines, um, meaning that there was a general uncertainty amongst the professionals themselves about how this rollout was meant to look. Yeah, there's anecdotes from Australian doctors um, that reveal a lack of clarity surrounding vaccine delivery. There was no system that was tracking and tracing when ordering vaccines 
were going to be available for patients. And the Deputy Premier of Queensland, Stephen Miles, he also revealed that doses were being sent to the wrong location. Um, They had vaccines go astray with people that were booked in and waiting to receive their jab. So, of course, the vaccine rollout was always going to be an incredibly complex and complicated task with lots of logistics. But all these issues together contributed to this huge amount of confusion and questioning of the government's ability to plan for such a crucial moment in Australia's pathway into a COVID-free world. And I just have a quick anecdote here that I was talking to my mum and she was saying that she wanted to get the vaccine and she got a brochure from her GP and she called the number and the number was wrong. And I think that is just such an example of how many little things maybe just weren't done properly and how these these little factors make it really difficult for Aussie citizens to go out there and get the jab. Yeah, and it is those minute details. My mum, I have a similar anecdote from my mum. She works within healthcare, so she was amongst um, the first, I guess, population group to get vaccinated. And there was confusion around when she was receiving her second dose. She went back to go get her second dose and they said, no, 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 your actual date is in like another three weeks' time. So even those minute details can really contribute to like a general confusion as to, you know, does is this really happening? Like do we really have a, a solid idea and understanding about what our vaccine rollout looks like? But You know, of course, this confusion was only worsened by more news um, that perhaps the AstraZeneca vaccine was not as trustworthy as the trials once showed. Just when the rollout was picking up speed, news stories broke of a very rare blood clotting syndrome that the Therapeutic Goods Association in Australia stated was likely linked to the AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah, this was a big facepalm moment for lots of people, I think. Yeah. Um, whilst only a couple of the cases that were recorded, because um, the chance of developing this is extremely low, it's around four people per every million. Uh, but it, of course, it did dramatically alter not only public perception of the vaccine, but also in turn the medical advice. So on April 8th, as most people probably know, new advice was issued and Pfizer was now the preferred vaccine for people under 50 in Australia, which then quickly changed to people under 60. Yeah. So I think that's, and I know recent times there's also been more conversations from ScoMo about, you know, anyone can go receive the AstraZeneca vaccine. And so with the government constantly changing these goalposts, it is not surprising to see public opinion shift. So a survey conducted in June of this year found that 47% of the participants were nervous about the vaccine side effects for their age group, so directly linking to that um, blood clotting syndrome. But also another 19% stated that they didn't trust the government and their advice. So I guess the public perception of this vaccine is so crucial for ensuring that people get vaccinated. And if we're having this hesitancy, um, it only provides another bump in what already is a very shaky road. Okay, so where does that leave Australia right now and in the future? So we all remember ScoMo's infamous words when the vaccine rollout began, words that me and you have said to each other many times, that this is not a race. And to be honest, we all in some way believed him because, you know, we were all living in what seemed to be a post-COVID world. We'd been out of lockdown for months. The economy was booming again. 
life seemed normal in most of Australia. And even when there was lockdowns, they were very, very short um, and only confined to one city at a time. You know, Australia wasn't in the same position as, say, the United States, where the only hope of surviving COVID was the vaccine. We thought we dealt with the virus in a way that wasn't dependent on the vaccine to lead us out of the pandemic. We thought as long as our borders are closed, you know, we're safe down here. But at the moment, that all seems very up in the air and maybe even a bit naive. Yeah, naive. I think naive is a good word um, because our slow and steady mentality has meant that we are now ranked last amongst the top 38 developed countries in regards to our vaccine rollout, with only 7.2% of our population fully vaccinated. And of course, the circumstances are different and, and the ways in which COVID affected Australia are very different to the ways it's affected countries such as the United States and the UK. But that number pales in comparison to countries like Chile, Israel, Hungary and the UK, where over 50% of the population is now fully vaccinated. And so with things like international travel on the horizon, it leaves us to question whether Australia will be ready to open up at the same time as everyone else or will we continue to fall behind to whatever detrimental effect that may have. There are less anecdotes now about the shortcomings of our vaccine rollout as we start to settle into mass vaccinations in the hubs across the country and they can accommodate for around 1,400 people every eight hours, which is quite good. Um, We also have had more doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines arrive at the start of July, meaning that supply might be able to meet up with demand. However, there is still room for improvement and some are suggesting a complete overhaul of our current rollout and starting afresh, including introducing new vaccine outlets such as pharmacies and on-site programs at schools, shopping centres, workplaces um, like they have in the US. And this would require utilising more of our medical and nursing students to assist in the workforce and get these vaccines pumping. Yeah, and experts also suggest improving vaccine advertising, which could also work to combat that hesitancy that a lot of people are experiencing. So the government could do this by providing clarity of vaccination numbers, but also emphasising the message of the collective benefits of getting vaccinated. So, you know, being able to protect the vulnerable communities, but also bringing home stranded Australians. If we all get vaccinated and we all contribute to this rollout, then that means we can bring our family members or close ones home. Yeah, we need to be vaccinated if we're going to stop having lockdowns, stop having caps on international arrivals. Um, So, yes, we can do it slow and steady, but to live our lives properly with complete freedom, we need the vaccinations. And that's the bottom line. Okay, and now it's time for our recommendations if you want to learn a little bit more. So, Vanessa, what have you got for us today? So, I've got an article about vaccine hesitancy in Indigenous communities because I was looking at vaccine hesitancy in general. Um, And all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in Australia are eligible for the vaccine because there's a big push to get particularly remote Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities vaccinated um, because they have increased vulnerability. But there's a big hesitancy. And I find like this attitude has a lot of emotion in it because it really shows how much distrust there is in the government, which is a totally rational and fair response for communities that have suffered under government efforts for so long. 
Um, so it was a really good read um, that includes interviews with um, a whole bunch of people. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And also looking at how this pandemic and how this vaccine um, intersects with different communities and people have different experiences. My recommendation, obviously, is a piece from The Conversation, which we oh, know is so my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good piece. It's by the directors at the Graden Institute, so people who we should probably listen to, about what Rollout 2.0 could look like, um, which they name as a completely new and fresh rollout, um, basically looking at an overhaul of our current system and what we can do better. So I definitely recommend that. It's very easy to read as well. So that's why I always love pieces from the conversation too. Um, But we'll leave those recommendations in the show notes for you to check out in your own time. And that's it from us today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this informative and increasingly relevant episode. Let us know what you think as always. We're always interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and in the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. All of the info recommendations, mentions are in the show notes for you to check out. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye, everyone. Bye.